So, tell me about the incident with the chickens. Oh, oh, yeah, the, the chickens. Uh, yeah, that was unfortunate, yes. Was it? That I won. Oh, hang on, we're we recording, recording. No, no, right. Yes, anyway, welcome to Staggering Stories, everyone. Pause for music. I do apologise from this podcast. He's all gungy. Yeah, I am suffering, so occasionally we'll have sniffs, sneezes and coughs. I will attempt Let's to do them away the from the microphone. The microphone is not worried about catching the cold. The no, rest I'd... of us, however, are not enamoured well, by this. I, I do understand that, but I'm thinking of the dear listener. Just the one. The, one, the one dear listen. listener at the end of the... Who's going to have me in his ear or her ear go... That's nice. You see, so I'm going to try to do that. Time for me at the moment oh, what, oh. <laughs> wake up and he's sucking your nose <laughs> oh god someone else's bogeys are all over my mouth it's when I sneeze and slide <laughs> can, can, <laughs> yeah. can yeah. we end this conversation and love welcome, you welcome our listeners <laughs> sorry carry on to podcast Staggering Stories number 308 welcome 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 you've done that all Wrong. I, I know. don't know where we are. Where are we? Well, <laughs> we've done the intro. Yes, but I didn't say what number we were it doing. It doesn't matter. All right, then you do it. <laughs> Jesus, the bint has gone insane. She has one dream about being in prison, and suddenly she's it lost her marbles. <laughs> it was a prison dream, and you know it. You did oh, everything but shag a the prison guard. dream. Oh, do tell. <laughs> I'll put it on Facebook. <laughs> Crumbly's not here, no. so I will say welcome 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 to this the latest in a long line of staggering stories podcast <laughs> namely number 308 yep yes i'm fake keith i'm adam i'm jean and i'm sick he is a bit sick i i will not be mocking him at all this evening <coughs> i would like to wish him a happy 30th yes. wedding anniversary oh, yeah. happy 30th wedding no, anniversary you're right. you're you're right. oh, you're you, i know it's join your card we got Ooh, a card. You've got two cards. We've got two cards. You, you do know it's your pearl wedding anniversary. Yeah, apparently. So, so I hope at some oh, point Keith, Keith is going to be giving you a pearl necklace, Karen. This, this, oh, no, I have a pearl necklace. This is when it begins to get expensive. We've gone yeah. through the wood and the paper. And... <laughs> they were quite easy, weren't yeah, they? Yeah, they were. I just took you in the garden and showed you a tree. I went, ooh. And that covered both periods. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm opening a card. Let's have a look. I made a prediction what you are saying. I'm oh. sure this is a sensible... Oh, you bastard. <laughs> <laughs> there is um, an unfortunate picture on the front of this card. <laughs> Pearl wedding anniversary. Good grief! Doesn't say anything interesting inside. Thank it's all you. On the front cover. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you very much. I will probably scan that in, and oh god, <laughs> get your revenge somehow. Mine's boringly sensible. Yeah. It's a little heart. Where did she get that? <laughs> Taken in uh, Chicago? New York or Chicago. Chicago. Yeah, I've got my TARDIS gloves on. We're wrapped up warm. What am I licking? <laughs> I seem to have a Twinkie in one hand and I'm not sure what I'm licking. I don't know. <laughs> really, really shouldn't. Hang on. Yeah, I'll pass it to you. And we've had a perfectly sensible marriage, I'll have you know. <laughs> you call this a sensible marriage? <laughs> could be a cheerio. I suppose it could be a Cheeto. Cheeto. Yeah. It looks like half a spring roll, <laughs> but why would I be eating spring rolls and Twinkies? <laughs> it's even. Uh, no. I think it's Chicago because I said we are wrapped up warm, and your nose is red. Yeah, uh, and yeah. you're screaming you're at a forgot. fork by the looks of it. <laughs> but that could be any Wednesday. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Five minutes ago. <laughs> Thank you, chaps. Get in my mouth. Sorry. We've <laughs> <laughs> been early. You might want to wait till after the podcast. As I say, we're all winning at the Oh, Christ. <laughs> Shall we go to the news? Let's go to the news Rapidly. with, with El Presidente. <laughs> Can I have a woohoo? Woohoo! <laughs>
Doctor Who news. Oh, yep. Two off-target books for 2019. Ooh. Back in the day, only two people could stop Terence Dix in his tracks. Douglas Adams and Eric Saywood. Or maybe Terry Nation. Because of them, the target Doctor Who novelization range could never be completed. In recent years, it turns out that even dead men can change their minds, with novelizations finally being allowed for Douglas Adams' stories, which just left two Dalek stories to do. Resurrection of the Daleks and Revelation of the Daleks. 2019 will finally see those missing stories in a bookshop near you. Eric Saywood is bashing forefinger to keyboard to novelise the original screenplays for his fifth and sixth Doctor Dalek stories, with Resurrection out in July and Revelation out in November. There is currently no word on who will narrate the audiobooks, but one of them could be the measuring countess known as Ruler Lengthster. That was awful. <laughs> God's sake. She was a countess, apparently. Yes, she was. Yes. She was. yes. That's not how you spell her name. No, no, no. God. It'd be funny if it were, though. <laughs> oh, dear. Next. Holy Batman. Mm. Benny loses his cowl. Oh, no. Oh, no. Bat flick no more, possibly after forgetting to pack the bat shark repellent. Yes, Ben Affleck, the blink and you'll miss him. Latest incarnation of the caped crusader is, according to reports, being traded in for a younger model. Hooray! <laughs> oh, sorry. That came out. That did, yeah. Mm. Batfleck has actually Batfleck. appeared in as many films as Christian Bale's Dark Knight, namely three. Mm. Batman v Superman, mm. Suicide Squad mm. and Justice League. Mm. Nevertheless, he never had his own film, though was at one point attached as the writer and director for the upcoming The Batman. The Batman. Ooh. Affleck stepped down from that film's behind-the-scenes duties in 2017, citing an unmanageable work load. Yeah. yeah. These people. What with reports of Henry Cavill having left the role of Superman, DC's film universe appears to be in tatters, mm-hmm. having to recast their two biggest characters while simultaneously having to keep that rather more popular Gal Gadot Wonder Woman and Jason's Momoa's Mo- Mo- and Jason Momoa's unexpectedly 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 that's it. <laughs> I'm getting all over flustered <laughs> by his physique in my mind. Unexpectedly successful Aquaman. Why did they think that was unexpectedly? Just Have they seen him? Did they know that 50% of the population is female and some of the other 50% well, are gay I men? Think, Have they seen him? I think, I think it's more the case of Aquaman like Iron Man was is something like DC's fourth, third or fourth tier heroes. Yes, but there were a lot, an awful lot of small children whose mums decided they really had yeah. to watch it. Yeah. Yeah. Something yeah. else like, I can't see why Magic Mike is so popular. Yeah. It's not got a good story. It isn't the story <laughs> you go to Magic Mike for. Anyway, sorry, I Any, digress. Matt Reeves. How's the menopause going, love? <laughs> <laughs> Matt Reeves is now set to direct the uncast. The Batman, which is currently slated for cinema release in June 2021, if they could be bothered. (laughs) We do not know of any petitions to retain Batfleck. No disrespect, but this is the second or the third time he's quit? Don't know, yeah. I think uh, rumours... He wasn't happy after the first one, was he? No, no. There there is that infamous piece of footage from one of the um, press junket circuits where the camera focuses on... (laughs) His face. Does he look less than chuffed? He looks less than pleased, shall we say. That was a bit of a meme, wasn't it, back in the day? That was, that was, yes. (laughs) Any more news? Clive Swift. Dead. Dead. Actor Clive Swift has kicked the bucket, aged 82. Sorry, kicked the bouquet. Sorry, Sorry, kicked the bouquet. In Doctor Who circles... That was very good, by the way. Well done. (laughs) In Doctor Who circles, he is mostly known for three things. For playing Joe Bell in Colin Baker's Revelation of the Daleks, for which Swift will not be narrating the audiobook. (laughs) Oh, jeez. Oh, there's a limit. (laughs) Playing Mr. Copper in David Tennant's third 
third Christmas special, mm-hmm. Voyage of the Damned, and for a stunningly unpleasant interview in DWM. <laughs> the fact I, that they printed it is always... Yeah, I, yeah. I, I missed that. Oh, it's okay, we've got an excerpt. <laughs> <laughs> an excerpt for that 2007 interview with DWM's Benjamin Cook saw Swift... Who is a very good interviewer. Who saw Swift saying... I'm quite aggrieved. Why should I do this? I'm not getting paid, am I? There's no reason why I should talk to you at all, so you should uh, shouldn't push it. I'm sure you will write something very nice. I know that you all think this is a big world, this who business, but it isn't. There are much bigger things than this. Unquote. Mm, yeah. Not caught on a good day. No, no, it no, was. No. I do remember reading that at the time. And it, it, <laughs> that gosh. was the least of it, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Comment when he uh, asked whether he could turn the microphone. And so like, Nobody writes anymore, do they? Yeah. God. Yeah. Ten years later, in 2017, Ben Cook tweeted about that infamous interview. RTD and Julie had to okay the piece before it was published, which they did. Testament to what a sod he'd been all that month. <laughs> in recent recent days, Cook tweeted, R.I.P. Clive, you were a gave great copy. <laughs> Swift was otherwise best known for playing the affable and gentle Richard Bouquet in the BBC sitcom Keeping Up Appearances and was clearly a very good actor. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, okay. I, I, stunning is the uh, yeah. an understatement for that interview. Yeah, I, I was actually amazed that they published it. Yeah, but yeah. they probably had nothing left to fill the the page with. Oh, I yeah. suspect that uh, Ben Cook was so appalled by. Yeah, <laughs> he wanted to put a bit of a boot in. Yeah. Expected yeah. not to go any further, and then uh, RTD and uh, Judy Gardner, <laughs> Judy Gardner yeah, said, okay. "No, no, but yeah, that sounds about right. You print it." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he was. Um, it's a way. because you can't. You can't almost tell can you I mean a character can be really nice as the character yeah. but the actor themselves with all different types of human beings they might not just and be it might have just been a bad day I think they wouldn't have printed it no I yeah. don't think it was a bad a day bad month if, no no bad is too much of an understatement <laughs> anyway moving rapidly any on. addendums um, no I am addendum free really Something, yes. you're really not well are you no I'm sorry I, I haven't right. had the chance to, to pretty light couple of weeks for news i think at the moment there is um news that uh is it julie adams creature from the black lagoon has died? oh yes yes oh. yes but she was very old the femme <laughs> fatale from the 1930s 1940s 50s, 50s. b movies b movie yes is, is no longer oh there us. is one oh. thing i've never played this one but uh dog two legacy the uh oh yes the game the mobile game apparently is going to close yes Oh, that's a shame. I played the one before that. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember what it's called. The same people, Tiny Rebel Games. Yeah. Sounds like this one never really took off. No. no. I've never heard of it. I think I tried it and it, it wasn't very captivating, even if I'd been a young, younger was, um, person. It was some comic strip based, if I remember rightly. Yeah. Uh, the, if it's the same gameplay as the first game, it was matching the colours. Yeah. It was, um, it was dual. Yeah. 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 Right. It's quite a common game, but they put in proper storylines into yeah. the, the sequel version okay. with, I think, voiceover work by Michelle Gomez, people like that. Oh, so put some effort into it. Yeah, shame. It's going away in two weeks, so... Or a week, <laughs> probably, after this it. goes up. So, yeah, yeah get, it, it get it while you can. Okay. <laughs> Here endeth the news. Yeah. Right, we've been to a convention. Yeah. yeah. We're well, to... convention-ish. Science of the Time Lords, up in Leicester. Weekend, it's a convention. Leicester Space (laughs) Centre! The National Space Centre. Yeah, it's it's really cool. It's got awesome rockets in it and everything. And a poo bag. (laughs) Yeah. An Apollo 10 poo bag. Um, (laughs) Feces receptacle. Sorry, feces receptacle. Complete with a a transcript of the poo that was floating around the (laughs) (laughs) And the argument as to who it was. And 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 the description. (laughs) But anyway, in between all that, <laughs> there was a load of Doctor Who stuff going on. Yes. Yep. So we will pause for convention music now. Mm. <laughs> Purcell, work mm. that one out, you bastard. <laughs> <laughs> like to say mm-hmm. that part of that weekend was the biggest disappointment of my life. Yeah. 
there were two major panels. On the first day, there was the four doctors. There was Peter Davidson, Colin Baker, Sylvester McCoy, and Paul McGann. No, no, you and said on... that wrong. No, no, because I'm annoyed. <laughs> no, 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 but it still always has to be. And Peter... No, nope, I'm annoyed. They don't oh, deserve that. And on the second day, there was a companions panel with Katie Manning, who had a cold, Janet Fielding, Sarah Sutton, Louise Jameson, and Yaz's mum. Shobna Gulati, Thank I you. Think. And I'd been really looking forward to the Doctor's panel and was like, oh, yeah, okay. Companions panel as well. That'll be good. Mm-hmm. Companions panel was the highlight of the weekend. Mm. Mm, you ever put good. Janet Fielding and Katie Manning in a room together? Oh my god! You, you expect fun, no. and they were absolutely brilliant. Whereas, in my opinion, the Doctor's panel, none of them wanted to be there. Mm. They were they were borderline grumpy. They were yeah, they were grumpy. I, I noticed uh, uh, McGann cunningly uh, avoided a few Answering of the questions. questions. Yeah. I think it didn't help that we were sat on the front row and you could hear every time they went. Oh, God. But, you know... Guys, get I over know, I it. I think some of the questions weren't great and they were thinking, oh, well, yeah, how do I, I think, reply to that? I think the, the problem with it was, is it was just a question and answer session. Mm, it yeah. wasn't an interview. Yeah. If you don't have done an interview but and still, then still, they've been doing the this floor. long enough yeah. to know that when they get the traditional, who's your favourite monster question, mm. you can go off onto a spiel. You're yeah. all experienced at it. It just seemed really... Yeah. I never got to that because they, unlike past years, they actually did tickets for yeah. the two bits mm-hmm. that you had to show in that that apparently sold out. Yeah. But I always remember watching Katie Manning at a convention and someone asked a, a question like, what what question do you get asked the most and do you get fed up with answering? It was along that line. <laughs> yeah. And she said, none of them, because this show is running that long, there is always a new member of the audience and if someone's asked me that question, it's because they've never heard me tell it before. So it might be the 500th time I've said it's the X monster but to them it's the first time they've heard me say it's the x monster so always answer it with enthusiasm that was a capital last year yeah somewhere yeah and it's like and i said thinking she is right because if it's me putting my hand up and colin sees my face and i say what what's your favorite monster unless he knows i know it's a setup for him Mm. i get that he's going to sit going kind of out loud you're (laughs) old enough and you've asked that question but (laughs) if i happen to be a seven-year-old kid with my hand up going what's your favourite monster the chances are I genuinely want to know because I have never seen you before in my life and you are God kind of stuff no I was just disappointed with the doctors but the companions were very very good value oh they were very good value all of them but you did get to stand next to Paul well that's the thing that was the annoying thing we had our picture taken beforehand and they were as pleasant as anything they were really nice Mm. and it was just such a shame that they turned into grumpy people and Peter Davison's car's got some green moss on it <laughs> and he's also got a very, very comfortable, cuddly chest. Well, yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. And Andy touched my arm. Oh, dear. Yeah. All right, all is forgiven. <laughs> I have to say that Colin was quite good in the photo. He did recognise us. Yeah, he recognised the head. He certainly recognised the head. Yeah, he spoke to me a bit. I haven't seen you for a while and all that. Yeah. yeah. It was good to see some of the artists as well. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, Sophie God, Isles and Carolyn Edwards in particular. We have yeah. we have some of their stuff. It has which to go in the geek room. It does. It's got to be framed and put up on the geek room oh, wall. Oh, it's spectacular. Car- Carolyn Edwards does one of my favourite ones, which is... 13? Hold his doctor oh, yeah. looking over his shoulder oh. in the rain, and then you've got Jody with his coat yeah, on looking slightly sort of a, down. And his, his legs ghost, are fading. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a ghost yeah. 12. Even if it wasn't the two doctors, it's just a lovely picture. Yeah. It yeah. really mm. is so well observed, and it's it's a beautiful piece of a artwork. A metal version of that, yeah. She yeah. did my, my favourite, which is 13 sitting on top of the TARDIS laughing at the stars, and it's, yeah. just, <laughs> it's just so We also so had pretty. Uh, uh, Chris Achilles. Oh, oh yeah. 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 yeah, And we also had the his. guy that, and I'm sorry, I forget your name, but the guy that did the painting of the stained glass crystal darling. Oh yes, yes. Um, which he had there, but he also had a beautiful one which I bought, which is the Tardis underwater. Yeah. Oh yeah, I was looking at Assassin's that one. Creed. Yeah. And all of them, all the artists were at a panel that we went to see. It was mm. a shame there weren't more people there. Mm. We saw it on the Sunday when there were fewer people. I, so I think yeah. it was probably a lot fuller on Saturday. It definitely but was. Yeah. There was one lad, reckon about 18. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 there was a young lad sitting behind me who asked them if um, pen and ink line drawings of architecture... Are art. Are art. Mm. 
Costas. Um, they, they talked him through it. He, yeah. he's, he revealed that he's on the autistic spectrum, <laughs> and that was his thing. He liked to sit and look at buildings and draw them. From, from memory. memory. From memory, yeah. yeah. And they gave him a lot of advice, yeah. and every single one of them took time to answer him, which I thought was wonderful. Well, the, I mean, the other thing with that, it, to an extent, it needs to be promoted, because if it, we haven't seen the artwork, but mm. actually architectural drawing is a skill in its own and its own job yeah. if you yeah. if he can be if he's very good at drawing architectural drawings yeah. technical drawing is that, uh, that's yeah. you know too. that i hate to say it can make him more money than becoming a graphic cartoon designer etc yeah. etc et mm. i like science of the time lords if you like to cosplay or you want to see people in costumes yes. oh, yeah. Yeah. it is the convention to so go they all quite a lot of with talkers going yeah. out oh yeah, yeah. yeah. with, with the Ankle. With the ankle, with some yeah. ankle occasionally. Yeah, Purcell, <laughs> Purcell was assessing the um thirteen costumes based on how much ankle was showing, including the the guys who'd yes. gone as thirteen, and some of them had quite hairy lower legs. <laughs> so many of them get it wrong and don't have any ankle well, showing because they've got hairy lower legs. <laughs> Not the point. You've got to show ankle if you're the thirteenth dog. I don't think I'd want to see that. No, you don't want to see it, but it's not the point. <laughs> He had uh, a few Dalek builders there. And And many Daleks. Sorry. And also the Cyber Legion. Yes, the Cyber Legion there. Cyber Legion did one of the ones... I didn't see them this year, but I know where they were there. One of my favourite and spooky ones from last year. The three... Stooges. Semi-human Cybermen who just go around going, pain, pain, pain. The the pre-Mondatian Cybermen. They they were the guys with the... um, Yeah, they were there this year. With the drips on the stands. Yeah. Yeah, they were very good. Yeah. But there were so many Daleks, it was wonderful. The only Daleks thing I, everywhere. I, <laughs> I enjoy Science of the Time Lords, but outside of the dealers area and the looking at the costumes, there's not a lot in terms of the panels. You had the one big panel, so mm. I didn't get tickets for the, the, the Doctor's panels, and the panels are repeated on two days. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The museum is really interesting, but it hasn't changed since we last went. So you having, do get to go to the planetarium. You do, and I've mm-hmm. seen that yeah. one before as well. <laughs> um, so over two days, by the second day, it's like, well, if I'm not in a talk or what have you, what is there yeah. to Could do, do with there? More- more talks they could do with a few more of the the guests the interview with the Daleks was brilliant surreal Um, (laughs) surreal but yeah I think if I went next year I'd probably only go for one day Mm. but yeah I think they could do with a few more guest talks or talks now it could have been down to the guests that they had and the amount of time they had them there and that kind of thing most of the time they were at their tables signing and having photos yeah there was a lot of um, autograph they do work hard they do oh god yeah yeah, and there are panels throughout the day one after another we didn't get to many of them at all I think we, we got to literally about two of them that's the thing though they only seem to have that one extra room. They've got the one room, yeah. Yeah, mm. so perhaps they need more more rooms, more, more or to make better use of the space. Yeah. I felt I felt sorry for the normal people who were showing up to take their children to the space centre and couldn't come in. Well apparently <laughs> on Saturday it sold out. It yeah. sold out. Yeah. They had to actually close admissions. So if you were bringing your kids and you weren't aware of what was going on, yeah. you were scuppered slightly. <laughs> Yeah, it's a very enjoyable yeah. convention. Um yeah, say so it's it is a it's good one cheap for cheap as well. Yeah. For, compared to a lot of conventions. And it's a good one for cosplayers. I have to say if you yeah. if you're into cosplay and you wanted to go to an event in the UK smaller than a massive great big Comic-Con mm. but where you weren't sure if you were going to look at a place or not, go to Science of the Time Lords. You will not look at a place. No. <laughs> of course there was the one major disappointment. What's that? They took the launch button away from the... Uh, they did. There used to be a big red launch button that says, do not press this button in the yeah. cafe. Yeah. So, of course, you press the button and it starts the launch sequence on this rocket that's way above you. It's a real so rocket cool. to that. Yeah. And, yeah. 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 Not a real exhaust. And <laughs> don't stay in the Premier Inn Hotel <laughs> where we stayed. <laughs> Jean, Jean got her money back, though, so, you know. Yeah. Well, the yeah. Frankie and Benny's up there wasn't up to much either, oh. was it? But anyway. But five guys there. Their milkshake was up to scratch. Yeah.
Right, as well as going to conventions, we've been listening to some wonderful stuff from Big Finish. Mm. This time with the masterful actor, Derek Jacobi. Sir. Sir. But he's not credited that way here. In the uh, War Master box set. Only the good. So let's pause for some music. Before we go to the um, actual stories, right. I have to comment on the music. Oh, the music, okay. I love the theme tune. The theme tune, yeah. The theme tune, the is, theme tune is the Doctor Who theme tune yeah, kind of. played in a dark, what, what's called as the darker keys. It's played in a counterpoint key. Yeah. It's basically Dramatic. a dark version of the Doctor Who theme yeah. tune. Yeah. It works so well. Yeah. And in the last story, for very obvious reasons, I like the little um, tribute to the music from the TV series. Utopia? Utopia. There's two bits of music in there which are very much from that yeah. series of homage, that, oh, that episode. Yeah, the heartbeat. The heartbeat. There's a, the dark heartbeat, and almost um, the master has his own theme tune, and they mirror that in there. And I really, like, but I do, I love. You couldn't use it for the Doctor because no. it is played in such um, a, a, a counterpoint mm-hmm. tone that it really is a dark version of the Doctor <laughs> Who theme. I don't think you could make a dark version <laughs> no, of yeah. the theme. A masterly version. Yes. Well, I thoroughly enjoyed yes. these. Yeah. There's four stories. So mm-hmm. you've got the Beneath the Viscoid, the Good Master, the Sky Man, and the heavily the Heavenly Parid. Paradigm? Paradigm. Paradigm. The Skyman was the one I least enjoyed because it has the least amount of the master yeah. in it, but was very, very interesting anyway. The, but the ending is really good. I didn't see it coming, coming for quite no. a long time. No. But let's start with Beneath the Viscoid. He's just escaped from the Dalek. Yes. As ever. Sort of working with them, but not quite. Yeah. There, there, is, there is one... I, I'm not sure if it's in this disc or in a future disc, okay. but there is a line in there which sums it up. Okay, Time Lords or Daleks, which side are you on? Mine. Yes. Yeah, you know, I think that's it, actually the second one. Yeah, master. but that yeah. that sums up what is going on. Yeah. He, he could be working for the Daleks, he could be working for the Time Lords, but he's certainly keeping out uh, his eyes open for opportunities for himself. Yes. Yeah, because he sums that up in the last one as well, where the Time Lady doesn't trust him. Like, he's always going to betray everything. Like, no. Sometimes when what I want matches what you want, yeah. we're both working for the same thing, effectively. Yeah. Yeah. But moment, what you want changes from what he wants. Uh, yeah. That's it. You know, all bets are off. I like the first one, Beneath a Viscoid, because we obviously knew who he was. Yes. I think the portrayal is very much in the realm of Delgado. Well, this one, he's pretending to be the Doctor. He's yeah. just, and I liked that. Which... Delgado has kind of... I can't remember if Delgado pretended to be a doctor, but he's, he's pretended to be... The master a, in his early age has guy. pretended to be a good guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I I did like that whole subterfuge, and it giving you that impression that it's more that kind of version of the doctor. It's quite fun, because he's clearly the master pretending to yeah. be the doctor. Yeah. You can see the layers there. You can, yeah. You can hear it. It's really good performance, and you can see it peeling back towards the end it's, as well. Yeah, it's a, to begin with, it is very much a Derek Jacobi version of the Doctor, Which rather done. than yeah, rather than than the Master. Yeah. What I do like about this, and when it comes across more, is it is played much more as the Delgado Master yeah. rather than Ainley Master. Oh yeah, Missy or even John Smith, uh, John mm. Sims Master. It is very <laughs> say nothing like the TV movie version. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is. It is very grounded. He doesn't kill for the sake of killing. He doesn't kill for the enjoyment of killing. He will kill to tidy up loose ends yeah. if you're a loose end or was a necessity as of, in getting back the TARDIS he or needed, a necessity yeah. he yeah. needed the energy spun off look there's two handy human beings who can dissipate the energy just walk towards that box with your guns honestly you can take it Oh dear! <laughs> what a shame! Yeah. But yeah, he, he's he's not the schizophrenic we've come to know later. He's not out killing people for the laughs. No, no. He it's... doesn't mind getting blood on his hands, and as times he enjoys getting blood on his hands. But that's not the aim no. of the whole. No, yeah. that's that's just fallout. Convenience. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 
And in this one, he had a potential companion as well. Yeah. Right up to the end of the episode. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which I I thought she was going to be. Yeah. It was only set up that she was going to be the companion for the box set. Yeah. But he does get a companion in the form of Cole. He does. So the next three. Yeah. So he kind of almost mirrors the Doctor to some extent. And he has this young man, Cole, who he ends up as travelling with him, Mm -hmm. which picks up in The Good Master, the next story. It does become a Doctor companion type relationship from Cole and the the listener's perspective. Yeah. But we see as it evolves along that there is other reasons why the master's keeping his pet. That sort of comes up more in, in the third story. Mm. Yeah. So the second one, the good master, is basically... Being, being a doctor, a not doctor. the doctor. No, no. With one <laughs> of his old, old pseudonyms, again, I think Keller. it was. Mm. Keller. Yeah, from yeah. Mind of Evil. Mm-hmm. The Keller Machine. Yep. A, a small nod to the past. And this one is, is the time war's raging on, but the Daleks want him. He's annoyed them. Yeah. They, but they yep. can't attack the planet he's on. And it's because there's a singularity. Yeah, the, 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 the planet, uh, the byproduct of the planet, it's a safe zone. Uh, it's a, yep. a temporally stable zone. Which is why he's there and he's investigating. Yeah, it. to find out why. He's, he, actually, this one is on a mission for the time. The first one, he was sort of on a mission for the Daleks. That's right, because at the end of the first one, he's called back to Gallifrey, and then yes. you don't hear or see any of that he's no. just suddenly we suddenly start in camera yeah and then this one you get the feeling that the character the master's starting to i won't get so 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 frustrated or annoyed with the war but he can see that the war's no benefit to him the time yeah. war and it needs to be finished he's he's, he's becoming not, frustrated he's with becoming it. Yeah, tired he's, of it he's not Daleks after him all time yeah, yeah. there's got Daleks. and i think there's an element of sympathy as much as the master ever can for all the fallout that's created by but i think there's also a degree of annoyance he is the master after all this is his playing field and someone else is destroying yeah. his playing field mm. it's not of benefit to, to him, him. Yeah. so you do get the feeling that he is starting to work against the actual time war how yeah. he can resolve and st- mm. that's starting to come through and then at the end you've got that great scene with him and, and intelligence uh, without trying to spoil too much where his motives are questioned is he really underneath it becoming a good guy yeah. Yeah. yeah is he doing the right thing because it's the right thing rather than just convenient to him yeah and he's sort of railing against that no no it's, it's all my own agenda and yeah it's quite interesting because it does feel like he is becoming a better person in this conflict than he wants to be. Yeah, he, he's having to make good choices, not necessarily yeah. expedient choices for him. For this story, he's pretending to be a surgeon and he's off saving lives. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. he's doing the right thing, but do the reasons matter at that yeah. point? Do Cole right in thing? particular, he saves. Yeah. You then go on, he keeps Cole, yep. rather Cole forces himself upon him. Oh, really? Like, <laughs> I don't remember that scene. Well, kind of because they're running away from the destruction and the only safe place is the TARDIS. Yep. And the, the master says, um, I need to get inside. And Cole basically says, we need to get inside. Yeah. Okay, get in, blocks his way into the TARDIS. So he kind of forces himself on board. So Cole wants to save a planet. The beginning of this story, most of the way through, you know the master's up to something, but it's really the trickery of the master in subtly manipulating. Yeah. This is a master light story he, yeah it's a master light story the master himself plays the long game yeah he doesn't involve himself in the situation he may set it up mm-hmm. and give it the occasional suggestive prod yeah but he's not the he's not the main player in this yeah one. and mm. in this one this this race of people should effectively die but Cole kind of turns them into almost like cybermen they are cybermen basically by the end yeah it rem- I can't remember the name of it, but it rem- reminded me of one of the enemies from the uh, Sixth Doctor comic strip. Okay. The environmental suit. Thing. Not the Vord. Yeah. Yeah, because they're not kind of like delete, delete. They're, they're, no. out, they're out to destroy everyone and anything that's not them. They are wanting to convert people by the end, aren't they? Yeah. They're out yeah. hunting for people who aren't in the, the suits. And yeah, to go, to go into the suits. Yeah, so it is definitely a, a side man. Yeah. Seems inevitable that they will be created in many places and yeah I think it was really really effective not quite out of the spare parts but better creation story than most yeah. mm. Sidemen stories have been it certainly has its moments yeah. and I like the fact with this one as well that it's the catalyst for the requirement to be in the suit you don't ever get to the bottom of that 
the full the, the, the stars or the lights yeah, that the, cause the, the infection the, or whatever I, it is. You I, never get to is it, Yeah, um, I think the impression I was given something crashed, it was radiation. Because yeah. okay. what most mostly for that section put in my mind is the one with data when he loses memory from next gen. Lost my memory too. Uh, <laughs> but I wasn't sure if the, the, the lights in the sky and the fallout was and and I'm still not sure if it was an actual something fell to the planet from the the time war or if the master actually fired something up that came down knowing possibly what would be the outcome because this is one of those ones where the master's manipulating very quietly and very Mm. connivingly it certainly it's certainly set during the time war because the planet is if i remember rightly the people have purposefully kept themselves primitive to keep themselves off the radar and yeah. and the thing is, with what happens in the last story, the master obviously wants them to live and to create that paradox that mm. this race should have died. Yeah. And then we go to the heavenly paradigm, and where are the time lords going to hide stuff <laughs> on Earth? <laughs> yeah. I I love this one is in the fact that it returned to the Russell T Davis era of time lord super weapons. Okay. The the hand of Omega the the moment the yeah. nightmare child yeah. the mm. you know the the wonderful time lord superfluous names that yeah, thank tell you yeah. exactly what the thing yeah. is but Heavenly sounds Paradigm, really yeah. good yeah. <laughs> it sounds a oh, wonderful and also it act for me it actually achieved something that the war doctor series never did oh I it is mass super weapons that can change everything. And did yeah. No disrespect to the War Doctor series, but it was very conventional war. Yeah. Okay. While this literally takes it up to the next level. Yeah. And war amongst the gods. Yeah. Yeah. I like with this one the doctor. The doctor. Master. The master is in character as well. In that he is persuading and misinterpreting and misleading because yeah. he asked Cole what would you do to to end the war and Cole says anything even if it means a sacrifice yes even if it means a sacrifice I'll do anything so the master literally takes him at his word and at the point and when it's necessary Cole is the one mm. and you suddenly realise what's gone on before yeah. leads up to that point that it's a very long game in the well, master's it's, life it's, it's a case of the, the yeah. it's a case of the road to hell is paved with good intentions the master is the paver yeah. he's the one who's laying the flagstones yeah all this to get to this super weapon and yeah. to wipe out the Daleks stop the war yeah he, he, it he, doesn't quite go to plan yeah <laughs> it, it's quite interesting the fact that he had cast himself as the hero mm. as mm the doctor to stop the war yeah mm. but like i said it, it doesn't go to plan and no. actually i think to a certain extent it, it, it exploits a throwaway line in the end of time in the fact that time itself resurrects the dead only to defeat them again mm. there's some lovely lines in this series i do like the one i think it was in the sky man where the master's basically on a vineyard and yeah. enclosed he, himself he, he, in and holiday. all the rest of it and he's fine <laughs> yeah. he's relaxing and the um, fork-wielding, flame-burning villagers yeah. come to get him and they say to him, what are you going to do? Tear us to pieces with your own hands. And he says, well, if you're asking me to... And you never see them no, or hear them the, again. The, those, that group of villagers <laughs> vanish. And it's kind of like, I just like that. I didn't, but but you offered? Yeah. So I obliged. And I think in the last one, there's a comment from the female time lady. Are you sure? So and so says, the name is not The Apprentice. Yeah. And I like that. I like that line. Yeah. And, and this story, this last box set, takes basically right up to Utopia. Yeah. It does, yeah. Because of he to, to get out of the situation he's in. He's screwed up so badly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> he runs to the end of the universe. Uh, yeah. And I uses d- the arc. I do, because I, I, I did enjoy that. The fact it does take you up to Utopia. I did question, does everything get reset or does this reset universe that he's created, is that the one we know? I think, I think that's the the one, that's the one we know after the war because it does mention the, uh, the fall of the cruciform. Yeah. Which, according to that story, hadn't fallen. They'd won. The Time Lords had won. Yeah. The the particular cruciform battle, but. But the other thing I was wondering, I thoroughly enjoyed it and I loved the fact that it took it up to that point. I take it the other 
War Master series that Big Finish have done are now set before because you I can't think, obviously yeah. set after well, that. Well, I think point. I, really not. <laughs> yeah, I think it was going to be a one-off. It was popular. Jacoby really yeah. enjoyed working it. Well, oh, you it, can tell. It's, it's something that you said, Karen. Yes. <laughs> the 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 people in the sound booth when Jacoby did the master. I honestly the, can't uh, remember. I'm you so always sorry. do this switch switching on the eyes. Oh, oh the eyes. Yeah. See, thank you. <laughs> yes, from the original sit from the TV. Yeah, he, yeah, apparent, yeah. Apparently, in the sound booth, he did the same thing yeah. and scared the pajibas out of everyone in yeah. the on the sound yeah. desk. Yeah, Normal people really... can't do that with their eyes. Yeah. <laughs> apparently, he's just a really nice person to be around to work with. Yeah. but then he can turn on the master and yeah. <laughs> chill to the bone. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the original master, to an extent, when we first see him in Delgado, mm-hmm. was very much the master and the doctor were and are the same person. They're just flip sides. Yeah. One's doing it for the greater good. One's doing it for themselves, kind mm-hmm. of style, and. That's this master. Yeah, yeah. This master could be the doctor at yeah. points, just as the doctor sometimes could have been the master the way he behaves. Yeah. He's not an agent of chaos. No. He's an agent of self-interest. Yeah, and I that's think, it. I think that's as much as I love Missy, which I'm still not going to actually the master, <laughs> and as much as I love John Sim, the new version of the master, I think it's because he's been damaged because of the war and all the rest of it, and I hope they calm the character back down but he's more psychopath than self yeah interested yeah. and and realistically the good versions of the master is that the difference between the master and the doctor is paper thin it is a matter of morals yeah and although that's yeah. only was only really true of the delgado master yeah so, so certainly and that the master was, was a panther so, uh, but that was the best yeah. of them yeah. when when <laughs> I, i've, and, uh, I've looked were... at this i've looked at this when before when we were going to do a master thing mm. and virtually all the delgado master stories mm-hmm. is he is a businessman he's yeah. contracted to various mm-hmm. alien races authority or the, the, yeah, the, the only time that he sort of went aggressive or off the rails, so to speak, is one, when he was exiled to Earth mm-hmm. and he was looking for places to get out. And two is when he was after a certain piece of technology to help him improve what he can do mm-hmm. mm. with the Delgado master it was never go out and attack the doctor go out and kill the doctor that was just a sideline <laughs> yeah and I can I can understand over the years he the, the doctor and the master's relationship gets a little bit more personal considering the amount of times that the doctor's thwarted him and the rest of it I loved John Sims portrayal but I love this portrayal this is the master I grew up with yeah. to some extent and it's almost it's the master before the war damaged him and you can see how the war is damaging his character, mm-hmm. is damaging the master. In some respects, it's damaging his ego. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, so, so I think yeah. it's something we sort of mentioned is is in the first story is when uh, he claims to be the doctor. <laughs> yeah. And then when he reveals who he is and they've never heard of him. Yes, yeah, so yeah. you've heard of the <laughs> doctor, but put out by the master. Yeah, that's quite irate. But that, I, I think he does it wonderfully. Does. Oh, God, yes. And there are points in it as well when yeah he does the you know look into my eyes but there's points in it where the character gets annoyed and you can hear like he does the actor does with his eyes with his voice it goes from this avuncular character to this very very frightening stern aggressiveness even Mm. in just the one word obey yeah he he can turn on that nasty aspect doesn't shout but it's a cold line of ice in that voice yeah he's obviously one of the greatest actors we've got oh god yeah 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 no surprise really good stuff interest to see where they do take the second box set yeah do they keep coal around it would be a bit difficult not if it's set in well, between it has to they... be set between two three and four which yeah. is the bulk of that box yeah set. if they if they, and... if they put it between the box set it's possible i'm not sure i think various ones will go back further yeah. oh before even the first yes yeah probably See how he got in that situation with the Daleks. Yeah. This is a box that I'd recommend for people who like the Master, possibly who like the 70s Master. If you're looking for the John Sims Missy Master, this isn't it's, the it's Master. It's not the Joker. It's this is not the, jo- the Joker. This is not a psychopathic. This is much more of um, this is Moriarty. a. Moriarty. Yeah. yeah. This is a thinking man's villain. This no. is the Moriarty that the Master was originally meant to be. Yeah. And they are very, very good. Yeah. I thoroughly enjoyed them. 
right. You've been writing to us. Well, at least Reese has. Thank you. And you, Reese. Thank Hello, Reese. Thank you. So, thank you. I, I will thank shut up. I will <laughs> read Reese's. Hello, Staggerers, the head of Pertwee and all other occupants of the recording room in that pocket of Crawley. <laughs> Tis I, Reese, back with a far shorter bit of feedback than my previous podcast within a podcast that was my last piece of feedback. <laughs> it was quite a short podcast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a long feedback. Big, uh... Also, clearly this time I'm contacting you in the written form as opposed to speaking my feedback to you as I'm currently away from my recording devices. That's I shall some... try to keep this short, which is easy when one is typing it because it takes effort to tangent when writing writing, unlike Ooh. when one is just babbling into a microphone. Tangent! Firstly, Doctor Who. Who's been reading big words? An interesting if somewhat difficult topic to cover, this irksome doctor topic you've stumbled across. <laughs> I say it's difficult because, as was mentioned by a few of you, I tend to have the wonderful chaps, all of them, attitude towards yep. the Doctor. Mm. Yeah. So I tend to either forget or easily forgive any annoyances that come up. I will, however, cl- include some slightly left of field. Similar to El Presidente's choice years ago for worst of when you were doing the best and worst of David Tennant when he was leaving and Adam chose as he called it Dobby Doctor <laughs> as his least favourite yeah. it's not Tennant but it's his doctor and it annoyed me but also yeah, I'm going to pick several moments of when Stephen Moffat deliberately trolled fans by having the doctor and occasionally Missy imply that the doctor had been a little girl yeah. <laughs> now clearly I'm not against the doctor being female I've been singing Jodie Wataka's praises as loudly as possible but it's established that William Hartnell's and I guess you can argue David Bradley first Doctor was indeed the first incarnation of the Doctor. The original you might say. Yes. I don't have a particular reason for it but it just winds me up when he yeah. dropped things like that in. Yeah. But again, a reason why he might have been born as a girl and had gender reassignment without regenerating. <laughs> Time Lord Tech it would have been no problem would have it? But again that's not an issue with the Doctor per se. It's more about the character but it's irritating to me. Mm-hmm. That's really all I have for Doctor Who but I would quickly like to touch upon a few other things just quickly. I'll go oh, for it. First of all a show I've already mentioned a few times and one which unfortunately we can now add to the dead pile Travellers and yes the title of the show actually only contains one L sadly (laughs) season three will be its last that doesn't detract from how good it has been and so I've heard the ending of season three is actually quite fitting for a series finale Mm. not just a season finale I don't know as of yet because I'm currently three episodes into what is now the final ten still it's good to hear there is somewhat of a worthwhile ending to it Mm. I still thoroughly recommend it I wonder okay. when that's coming on over here because I do um, like it. It's on Netflix. I've just started it on Netflix. Oh, right. I'll have to have a watch of that. Yes. Mm. yes. Now on to the second thing I'd like to mention before leaving. It's another recommendation. Mm. One which I'm sure will elicit a roll of the eyes or other <laughs> such negative reactions from a number of listeners and possibly a few members of your fine team. But I would like to propose that you either check it out for the first time or give Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. a second chance. <laughs> I've been a fan of the show from the start, but even I can't deny how cheesy, predictable and cliche a lot of the first and second were. Mm. I enjoyed it, but it wasn't the most layered or subtle of shows. <laughs> no. However, I would argue that it has become that. Mm. In many ways, it's unrecognisable from what it used to be. Oh, the characters have grown, the stories have become more complex and, so to speak, braver. It's not just referencing things that have happened in the cinematic universe, mm. but it's bringing a number of elements and stories from the comics to the screen in its own way, Ooh, which yeah. is quite thrilling. Again, I would recommend it, especially in this Doctor Who drought. Yeah, that's true. Along with Star Trek Discovery, which I am very much loving. Yes, mm. snap. Anyway, it looks like I failed at keeping the length of this reined in, for which I apologise, <laughs> because not only does it take more effort to write, sit, than record it, it also means you have to read it. To solve that problem, I shall put this to an end and say goodbye and thank you for a wonderful podcast. Thank you, Reese. Thank you, Reese. Thank you, Reese. Reese also reminded us he said it, but we haven't. What's that? that- oh! Oh, no! Mm. I'm, the not, no I'm, I'm, not, I'm not talking to him. Why are you talking to him? I'm not talking to him. Why not? Why are you talking to him? Because Peter Davison, Paul McGann, Colin Baker and Sylvester McCoy were nicer to him than to us. <laughs> That's just not be, fair, really. Just because no. Colin Baker remembered him. He remembered him. He yes. remembered him. How bodied head. How many conventions have I organised with Monsieur Colin Baker? How many times have I got drunk with Monsieur Colin Baker? And he remembers him. <laughs> a disembodied latex head. Admittedly, if he walked into a room with you, he's the one I'd remember. <laughs> Mainly because he has no legs. Yes. Hello, 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 hello Graham, fascist Spock, various bobble-headed things. Dangerous Churchill. Dangerous Churchill, ashes of Grunhilda, and, and a moomin that's Terrence. straddling an upside-down table. 
and a nearly naked gnome, which is not easy to say. A nearly naked naked gnome. (laughs) I believe we have one more bit of feedback. We do. Now, we were going to tell you Crumbly was dead. He is, isn't he? Might still be. I suppose he might be, but he did send in some feedback before death took him. Hello, Crumbly here. Hello, Crumbly. Sorry I can't be at tonight's podcast, but however, I would like to share my thoughts uh, with you all on the Warmaster box set. Oh, yes. Derek Jacoby was not a choice I would have thought for the master. Really? I always think of him as the bumbling Claudius from the seminal BBC drama series I, Claudius. In Night Garden. The well-intentioned, lame, clumsy young man who had the role of emperor thrust upon him, whether he wanted it or not. A scholarly innocent, surrounded by power-hungry people, who, by chance, outlived them all. Therefore, his portrayal of the master came as a complete surprise, cold, calculating, motivated by enlightened self-interest, and occasionally cheerfully sadistic. (laughs) His performance in Under the Viscoid was a revelation in the way he used the Daleks to his own ends in order to find his TARDIS. Mm. The native inhabitants were just pawns to be used to either help him or act as unwitting victims to absorb the temporal energy that was leaking from his TARDIS. The good master finds the master hiding in plain sight as a surgeon on an interstellar hospital station on the planet Arkin. One scene involves him up on the surface observing the night sky as worlds and star systems are either being destroyed or winking out of existence due to the time war. All the while he is looking for a power source that could either end the time war or be harnessed for his own use. He is heard musing aloud at the wholesale destruction that is being wrought up in the heavens and the sights that would drive others mad. The other episode I will dwell upon is the final one in which the master has to locate a Time Lord weapons dump in the middle of semi-detached suburbia (laughs) in order to find a device or weapon called the Heavenly Paradigm, a device that would either alter timelines to make the Daleks sue for peace and make the timelines more to his liking. Mm. However, due to circumstances, he must go into hiding, strip himself of his Time Lord biology and assume the guise of Professor Yana, mild-mannered, avuncular, living on one of the few planets remaining at the end of time. Just don't tell him to open that fob watch that he carries around with him. <laughs> yep. All in all, an interesting facet of the Master. While the War Doctor was going around blasting the message, War, War, what is it good for, onto <laughs> walls, his counterpart was going around operating very much to his own agenda. I would like to wind up my feedback by telling you all, all about a rediscovered TV programme from my childhood. Ooh, the Tomorrow People ran for several years oh, until yes. 1979. It concerned a group of people who represented the next phase of human evolution. A jaunty people. It involved John, the leader of the group, Tim, the biological computer, and other people who, in the parlance of the show, broke out or developed the uh, psychic abilities of teleportation, telepathy, and telekinesis. Despite the hokey special effects and, uh, well, fashion disasters of the 1970s, <laughs> the Tomorrow People presented some very good stories that were thought-provoking. The story that sticks in my mind and uh, has some very fond memories for me was entitled The Blue and the Green, which involved the Tomorrow People encountering an alien species that could only spawn in an atmosphere of extreme violence. I remember that kids in my class at primary school, upon seeing that show, were wearing either green or blue badges as an excuse to kick the stuffing out of each other. <laughs> Another Tomorrow People baddie was the Spydron, an alien being who hypnotised humans in order to have a workforce to mine minerals from the Earth. However, the wardrobe department, they committed a major faux pas with the Spydron's garb in the shape of a white hood with two eye eye holes cut in it and a white gown. Hmm. All it needed was a burning cross and it wouldn't have looked out of place in certain places in the southern states of the USA. (laughs) Another race of aliens were the Saltarans, jackal-headed creatures that landed Hmm? in the place that would be known as one day as ancient Egypt. Okay, shades of pyramids of Mars in there, but it's still watchable all the same. All in all, the Tomorrow People I have, you know, I have fond memories of. So get a copy on DVD and have a well-deserved wall- uh, wallow in nostalgia. Anyway, I'll be back for the next podcast. So until then, this is me, Crumbly, saying, be seeing you. Farewell. Yes, I used to have the hots. I still have the hots for Mike Holloway, who was one of the Tomorrow <laughs> People. They were effectively the precursor to a lot of the mutant series we have now because 
the Tamara people were basically a future mutation of the human the uh, next, race. The next stage the of The next human stage evolution. of evolution. Yes. So they well, were a precursor to a lot of the mutant we have at the moment. I suspect, though, if you didn't grow up with it, watch it now might be quite tough. Oh, yeah. 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 Good, good grief, yes. So it was something that passed me by. I was a bit too young for yeah, that. I and then I, when I TV. did finally see it at a convention yeah. in the 80s, yeah. it was like, what the hell It, it was one of the ones that I used to run home to, from school to watch because yeah. that's the time it was on, four o'clock. Mm. So, yeah. Right. Thank you for writing to us, Reese. If anyone else would like to do so, <laughs> they can send us a message via show. At Staggering Stories. Dot net. We'd love to hear from you. We would. Because we like everyone. Well, nearly everyone. We don't like Keith. Uh. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, you're here. For 30 years. I know. It's been a long time. I'm literally in this life. I'm just long so, so time. sorry, Karen. I'm really sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I can't apologise enough. <laughs> yeah. Love you. All right, don't love you then. <laughs> love you too. <laughs> too late. No, <laughs> My love you. has died. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's Jean. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, she's not your huggy squeezy thing anymore. Nope. Adam is though. Oh, yeah. He'll Hello. He'll hug you. <laughs> I've known you both, I think all three of you, pretty much for about 30 years. And it's a couple of weeks before you got married. Possibly. I was introduced to the group. Possibly. Wow. Yeah. 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 So, Great. middle of January, 89. You were a child. <laughs> I was 14. <laughs> yeah. And I'm now 44. That's a bit worrying, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, yeah. life moves yeah. on. Oh God, God, that means we've known each other for over 30 years. Yeah. 35 years now. I we think. don't have enough alcohol for this conversation. <laughs> no, no, just... we need more alcohol. Ooh. Oh, flipping it. <laughs> anyway, mm. that just about wraps it up for this life. <laughs> we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs> 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 oh, You have been listening to Staggering Stories Podcast Series 1, number 308, featuring Adam J. Purcell, Fake Keith, Gene Riddler and the real Keith Dunn. The views expressed here are those of the speakers and don't necessarily represent those of the other speakers on the site. No copyright infringement is intended, and this has been an El Presidente production for www.staggeringstories.net. Right, I'm going to the loo, because, you know... Go to the loo, or there will be an incident. <laughs> this is a bit silly. I'm going to have to kill all these chickens. And then this he said, "You're dying," and they were frigging. They were killing me. They were psycho chickens. I had Why to climb you? a building to get away <laughs> from them. It was it was terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> when I jumped down from the castle, they'd all gone, and I'm terrified of going back there in case they're hiding. <laughs> oh, it felt good. You know, you, you know days of old when they you had berserkers. The I'm not, <laughs> not a berserker. It's just nice to kill people. <laughs> ah, f- that's recording. <laughs> you stuck your head back in here to do that. <laughs> your head's meant to be in that room. Oh, I can smell again. Oh. <laughs> that sounded remarkably like a trumpet. Yeah, well, I, I thought it was an elephant, was it? <laughs> Yeah, I just started watching, oh, uh, Titans. I watched the first episode of that. Mm. Robin's very... Violent. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is bloody. the thing. This is what we were saying at work. You see something advertised as Titans, and you might think, oh, this is, you know, it's superheroes, and you let yeah. your kids watch it, and suddenly yeah. Robin's smashing a car window and dragging someone's face along the jagged glass. It's like, <laughs> <Yeah>. whoa! <laughs> and, and then saying, f*** Batman. I mean, God! <laughs> I, this is it. I don't... It didn't grab me. It's, it's too much it's trying to be seems to be to my mind trying to be too much the Zack Snyder dark DC but I want to it's see it's trying the, too hard that other woman I've, I've worked out you know we both knew it was Raven oh yeah but the other one, the is, that, is that, one. yeah, is that what's, is she Starburst? I don't know. Ah. See, this is another thing. I don't know them well enough. I've seen Teen Titans go to the movies, but I don't remember much about the characters. So we've got, yeah. you've got Robin, you've got a Wolfman, you've got the cyborg guy, uh, yeah. there's a witch, is there? Because, oh yeah, Wolfman was their equivalent to Wolverine, wasn't it? I've still got to watch that thing I got See, for Christmas, the Teen ah, This is the thing, I don't know my DC no. characters no, no. well enough. Marvel I'm, family. I, yeah, I'm more of a Marvel. <laughs> I didn't know Marvel really until they started up their cinematic 
Cinematic Universe. Um, no, no, I, as Gene knows, I do have a soft spot for Spider-Man because that's the first comic I ever read. Oh, okay. We should uh, maybe look at uh, Night Flyers too, whatever it's yeah, called. Yeah, that's, that's a George one. Martin. Get on with the winds of winter! I'm wondering if in Vicious... They're now going to do a thing about his husband, if they make another series, his husband having to go off to re- to record, record these new audio plays, darling. <laughs> I've been asked to play a character in an audio I've play. I've been asked to resurrect my character from Doctor Who in an audio play, sweetheart. <laughs> I found something that I forgot. What? A nun has created a paradox. Okay. okay. Now, you know in the Saranga conundrum that Graham mentioned that he learnt how to deliver a baby by watching Call the Midwife. Yeah. Oh, oh, yes! On last night's episode of Call the Midwife, Sister Monica was watching the Aztecs. <laughs> OK. So Doctor Who and Call the Midwife exist in some sort of weird Pocket. universe where they're both TV shows, but both real. <laughs> well, just, just to add on to that, you know that that's set in Poplar in the mid-60s. It is. Where was I born and when was I born? You weren't. You were created in a loom. <laughs> but there, there was a line. Um, One of the, if was the, any of those are called Sister Margaret, if they are based on a real Sister Margaret, it could be the Sister Margaret that, de- that um, delivered, delivered me. Because yeah. my middle name is named after the nun wow. that was part of the team delivering me in Poplar in the mid-60s. Well, tough delivery if you get a name your child know, after the midwife. Because they were there. The, <laughs> Quite common. The, yeah, the, really? nun, the yeah. nuns yeah. were there as much just the midwives is that to deliver them back then but there was a, a line from sister crame who okay. told monica to shut turn the tv off and listen to the radio again saying i can't be doing with this grown men running around in fancy dress making out a phone box can travel through time and space <laughs> yay 